Praise God. I, I just want to say this. I hope where you're in your house right now, all God's people said amen. Look around each other and say amen. So uh, thank you, Cornerstone, for being here today. Um, truly do miss you. I love you. Um, excited to just uh, finally have the time where we get to see each other more face to face. Uh, if you're wondering what happened to my hair, um, yes, I am bald right now. Um, the story you can find on Facebook, so I'm not going to go into it right now. But I, I do want to get into this, and it's something that I think is so crucial to what's going on in our world right now. If you remember right, when we started all of this off, when kind of the realities of COVID-19 hit us, one of my greatest concerns and fears is that we wouldn't think rightly through what's going on in this world right now. That's why I tried to draw our mind back to what is the gospel, what's truly good news, but based in and around, like Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? We, we talked about this idea from the very start that there's a world that's out there that's, that's this age and, and the way that it is constantly bombarding us and seeking us to be conformed into that. But there's another way to see this, which is that Paul said we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we can know what God wants us to do. Now, as I look out there right now, and again, not just amongst our world, but I would even say amongst Christians, there is an immense amount of fear and frustration. On one end, there's the fear. You'll see this over and over again where people are just so scared about what's going on and, and, and whether we're talking about the virus or whether we're talking about the financial condition of our world, even the, the realities of isolation, which are really starting to have their toll and effect on us, are beginning to really show up. Then there's another group of people that are becoming rabidly almost frustrated with what's going on, that there's a, there's a way around this, there's a way to get things. And, and both groups generally, especially Christians then, they go and buy into ideas where maybe on one end where we need to do this for those that because the, the ones that are marginalized, that are weak amongst us right now, we need to protect them or others saying maybe, you know, God designed us to work. And there's, there's truth in both of those realities but with the way that I would describe, I think, not only our world right now, but in some ways, even as I'm kind of watching the church as a whole, I feel like we're lost. Now, I say all that just from a lost standpoint. Then, well, what do we do when we're lost? Well, I love to take people out into the, the woods. That's one of my favorite places to go, especially going back into Wyoming and, and backpacking into these different places. I talked about that last week. But I remember reading one time that when a certain special forces uh, gets lost, and I think it's the British because we're going to talk about tea. But when they got lost, the big thing was not to try to get out of there because we know the, the, the more that you try to get unlost when you are lost, actually you make things worse. It's almost like a momentum that builds. And so they tell you off the front end the very first thing that you need to do and in an ongoing way is just to make tea. And I almost feel like right now, one of the things that we need to do as a church, we've, we've, we've lasted through this front end of what's the reality of COVID-19 and I think this week what we need to do is we need to make tea. Now, not just to sit there. If you talked about last week, we, we talked about this idea of going out on the precipice and looking out over Photographer's Point in the Wind River Range and gaining an idea of where we're going. And that's what Spencer and I are going to talk about today, the other bald man on this stage. But that's what we're going to talk about today. We have to find our bearings in this world. But the question is, how do we find our bearings? If we're lost, what is it that we need to do? And so in Romans 8, if you got your Bibles, you can go there. He, Paul's going to talk about this passage of Scripture that I think is near and dear to all of us. Uh, we know that, that those who love God, he causes all things to work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. 
For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn amongst many brothers. And all those he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. In other words, Paul takes us up on the precipice and looks at that. So let me just do this. Let me throw it over to you, Spencer. In this passage, as you kind of see it, how is Paul taking us up to the high point to kind of remind us again of, of where we need to see ourselves in the world today? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And um, I, I love that analogy of, of um, if we're lost, you know, the need to get up high and get your bearings. Yeah. And, um, and I do, I think, I agree. I think we are, as a society, we're lost. As a church, we're lost. I mean, personally, I need to step up and just kind of get, oh yeah, where am I? And not only where, where am I trying to go, but where am I currently? Yeah. And what are, the, what are the barriers to get there along the way? And I think that's exactly where Paul goes and I was thinking about it before, before we even jump into this. Um, you were talking and saying, well, you were creating that contrast between those who were um, maybe uh, fearful and those who were frustrated. frustrated. And, um, and for Paul, he's not writing to those who are fearful or frustrated, but he's writing to the Jews and to the, the, <laughs> and to the Gentiles. But it's still that source of tension in Rome that's doing a poor job of of helping people see Jesus. Yeah, and there was division. And just real quickly, I mean, I've been watching online on social media, which again is like, for me, it's like, ah. Oh. But I've been shocked at Christians and the division that's happening right now. There's not unity. There's division happening over this particular issue. Right, so while it's a, it's a different issue, it's really kind of the same totally. or at least similar. We may yeah. say it that way. Um, but yeah, so in the midst of this, I think what Paul does, especially in, in verse 29, is he, is he does, he gets up to that high place and just goes, hey, not just remember where you're going in the future, but, but hey, let's get our bearings here. And he, he anchors it, and he's, verse 29 is just fascinating. Because those he foreknew, he also predestined. And we usually, we get so caught up in like these crazy theological conversations about like foreknowledge, predestined. And it's like, pause, hard stop right here for a second. <laughs> Put that on the shelf. Look at the next part. <laughs> to be conformed to the image of his son. You know, and you just go, he, he kind of calls back to going, this is what we're about, is that conformity to the image of God. And I think it goes all the way back to Genesis 1, but, but you've, you've, been the, you've been the one up here kind of the last six, eight weeks, and you're the one who's usually teaching. Connect that idea of like, conformity to the image of God to like God's intent maybe, or at least God's intent in Romans. Yeah. And I'll tell you when you're wrong, by the way. <laughs> I appreciate that. You always do. You're so, so nice judgmental. Cut, yeah, thank you for it. I, 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 I do affirm that. Yes, thank you. You know, what's, what's so interesting, and again, those of you that are home, uh, you know this. One of the realities we talk about mm -hmm. both here at Cornerstone and EBC, where you obviously are a mm -hmm. huge part of it, is we really do believe from a Genesis 1.26 and kind of following standpoint, we were created in the image of God that from the very start, we were designed in a unique relationship to reflect who God is to the world. Yeah. And I don't think that has changed. I still to this day believe we are as people still designed by God to reflect his greatness and his goodness to the world. He created a unique relationship. We are his mm -hmm. unique and special right. creation. And obviously when we fell, all of that got marred and twisted, kind of, you know, the broken mirror concept. We, we, we couldn't right. reflect him like we were It didn't we change his intention, but it just changed the capacity That's or right. ability to do it. Yeah. But then, man, God gives us his Holy Spirit. And now for the first time in humanity, 
we're able to, again, not perfectly, there's still a, a, a best coming still, mm-hmm. but to reflect God to the world. And this is one of my main concerns, is I keep feeling like in all of our fear and frustration, our concern is not how we reflect God to the world. Mm. Our concern is about our, our now, me, uh, my situation. Again, even as I watch people try to use the Bible, it's kind of like a First Timothy 1 issue. Sometimes I feel like we're using the Bible unbiblically and we make ourselves feel good the way we do it. But ultimately, I'm not convinced all the time. And again, and it's even my own heart. Maybe it's a reflection of my own heart because this week I walked into a park and I saw a tape around a, a, a playground and I wanted to rip the tape off because I'm like, no, it shouldn't be this way. <laughs> But it still doesn't change the fact we are designed by God to reflect him to this world. That should be our greatest concern. No, absolutely. Did I do okay? Yeah, I'm going I'm to give you like nine out of 10 there. Yeah, you're, you're definitely passing for sure. Hey, no, I'll take it. No, it's awesome. But I think that's exactly where Paul goes in 29 is he goes, hey, if you want to be reminded of the will of God, if you want to be reminded of what God's about, he's about conforming y'all you know, to, to the church in Rome, to you guys at Cornerstone, to Todd, you and I, what God is passionate about is he's about conforming us to his image. Yeah. I mean, the reality is God isn't first and foremost concerned about my financial well-being or your financial well-being or your physical well-being. It's not that he's not concerned, but he's not first and then, foremost. Yeah, so first yeah. and foremost, those are contexts. Those are the circumstances of life whereby we can actually fulfill this of putting God on display or making God known or, or being conformed to the image of Christ. Those are the means by, by which we can do that. And Paul just kind of takes the, the church at Rome here and goes, hey, remember. Hey, Cornerstone, remember what you're to be about. It's easy to get caught up and conformed to the pattern of the world. But remember. So here's what I'm curious about, though. If that's what he's doing in 29... Can you connect 29 back to where you, like you and Christian were last week, that idea of image bearing and going, okay, if God's conforming us to the image of Christ and to the image of Jesus, really that idea of image bearing, and that's his will, how do you connect that back to what you've been talking about yeah. re, you know, previously? Because we're not talking about like, hey, this is really just one continued thought, but sometimes we, we separate that one continued yeah. thought by like six days. Yeah, I think the difficulty that comes back to this, right, is that... <clears throat> We are called by God to live in the spirit. And I look forward to the day when we are fully living with that mindset of how God's called us to live. But we also know we still live in this world that is, is uh, difficult and hard. And we, we kind of labeled it as this idea of the tension. Now, I think especially for Christian and I, when we were trying to think through this, is when you're standing out there on photographer's point and you're looking at where you're going, I so badly want to get to where I'm at. That's where I want to go. The difficulty, though, is living still in this tension is we are not so much now modeling Jesus as we will be one day. We are modeling Jesus right now in and through what Paul says is suffering, groaning. In other words, we're called to look like Jesus when he was here on this planet and he came and we'll we'll talk about this the next time, but he didn't come in strength. He came in in weakness Right. Now, how in the world do you model Jesus in the midst of <clears throat> weakness now when everything in us thinks we have to have power to be able to do it? We have to have strength. We, sure. have, to, we have to have everything we want. But what's so interesting and in what Paul's doing here is, is he says, by the way, this is the good. 
Mm-hmm. This is good. It's good that you're walking this pathway. This is the pathway that Jesus walked. Jesus didn't just somehow end up in his resurrected body. He first came, he enveloped himself in flesh. And now I really do think the will of God that we have, which is what makes it so difficult and why we have to, Romans 12, 1, Paul has to urge them, you know, to, to, to therefore brothers, to, to now truly become these living, holy, acceptable sacrifices right. because we're gonna walk through a difficult path. We're gonna operate from weakness, not from this position of strength. Right, now I'm gonna hit the pause button on that one for a second okay. because you're jumping, you're jumping all the way back. I'm excited. Well, it's, well, it's interesting. Is you're, we're working backwards today, by the way. We started at like verse 29 and 30 and we wanna work back to verse 26, which is where you were just talking. But before we get there, I think we have to hit a pause button for a second and go, Yes, we want to talk about the, the weakness and the way of weakness is what Jesus really embodied for us. But I think you, you touched on something there of going, if we know the will of God is, is being conformed to the image of Jesus, I think we have to actually hit the pause button first and go, one, do we want to be conformed to the image of Jesus? And, and, and then question number two is what are the things or where are the ways that we're not conformed to the image of Jesus? And so what I, what I think would be appropriate right now is wherever you guys are, um, the people you're sitting with, look at the person next to you and see where they're not conformed to the pattern of Jesus. Because <laughs> that's way easier, right? I pay attention to social media and I very rarely see people actually talking about how they are struggling. But my goodness, we're all really good at pointing out how everyone else is yeah, Everyone up. else isn't woke up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're everyone awake, else, but they're not. Yeah. No, and if you haven't missed, uh, that, that is certainly sarcasm there. Yes. Um, but what I'd like to do is actually, man, take some time and, and think through, one, if the will of God is conformity to Jesus, and that doesn't depend on our circumstance, the question that I would have for all of us is not to focus on others, but actually focus for a second on yourself, or maybe even invite others to speak into your life, and just ask this question, one, personally, do you want to be conformed to the image of God? And secondly, what things right now are preventing you from being conformed into the image of Jesus? Because maybe this season is God actually exposing that in our lives. I know that's certainly true for a lot of us. Um, but yeah, let's take a few minutes and actually think through that.
Right. Guys, thank you so much. I know it's weird to get those little kind of interruptions and pauses, but I hope it is a, a helpful time to actually think through and process through um, just some of the things we're, we were talking through. Um, and whether you're talking with people in your, in your living room there or your family or just texting friends or whatnot, I do think it's a, it's a beneficial time um, because it's, it's easy sometimes to just hear something and not ever reflect on it. But that's a, it's a fascinating question to go, do I want to do the will of God? And I think usually we would say, absolutely. But here it's pretty clear. The will of God 
It's to be conformed to the image of Jesus, to be like Jesus. Like, like Todd and Christian were talking through last week, that's really, really hard because we're living in this tension of going, what, what's happening is, is this is what God's called us to, but we're, there's a reality of who we were over here, but, and we're living in this space, which the Holy Spirit empowers us to live differently, the, empowers us to think differently. And that's hard, and it requires us to actually interact and talk with other people. And so as you guys are, are, are just kind of bearing with us during this time, I just want to say thank you. I know it's weird. I know it's hard. But it's significant to work through the text this way. So as we're kind of kicking this around, Todd, the, the thing is, is, is 29 calling us to, to live like Jesus and, and embody that. The Holy Spirit empowers us to do that through intercession and prayer. You know, uh, we see that in verse 27. But what is this kind of all presupposing? Because I think this is where it's fascinating. You alluded to it right before we kind of hit that little discussion break. Yeah. But I think you've got to land it all the way back to verse 26. Yeah, I mean, the, the difficult part of this passage that he throws in there, verse 26, that I, th- I think you're talking about here, is just this idea of our weakness. And, and <clears throat> I think one of the difficult things for us to realize is that when Jesus Christ came, <clears throat> Jesus Christ did not come as the almighty king like we Ooh. imagine him. He came as a servant who suffered, suffered to the point of being a criminal, dying even a criminal's death on a cross, right? Like we see that in Philippians 2, 5 and following. But I don't want that path. Like, in other words, if I'm, if I'm standing up on Photographer's Peak and I'm looking off at Gannett Peak and I'm like, I just want to be at Gannett Peak. And then I have to look at people and say, okay, you're now four miles in to a almost 25, 30-mile hike. Yeah, with a lot of elevation. With a lot of elevation. <laughs> and it's going to be hard and difficult and it's going to be rugged. But the interesting part, when you look down at this particular passage, whether we're talking verse 17 moving into verse 18, is he uses this idea of suffering. Like, we can't get past that. This is not going to be easy. But then he pulls us into 26, and he says, weakness. Now, I think the difficulty, and again, I'd love to even get your feedback, right? Is so new creations broke into our life via the Holy Spirit, right? He's, we're being empowered to be who God's called us to be. Yet when Jesus Christ was incarnated into this world, he broke into this world. He didn't come as the king of kings and lord of lords like we would imagine it, right? Right. Everybody thought he was going to come defeat the Roman government and make everything right, but yet he came as a a servant. Right, it's the upside-down kingdom. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. And I think, and again, I'd love your feedback on this. It seems like Paul's calling us back to that upside-down kingdom to not operate from that position of power, but to believe that we actually are weak and to operate from the position of weakness. Yeah, but that's so hard because to, to, to function from a place of weakness it requires us to actually think differently and go, I'm first and foremost going to acknowledge weakness. I'm not going to aspire to power, mm-hmm. right? And you go, oh, man, because it's when I'm, when I'm in a position of power, I, I, I can try to preserve uh, my security or my stability. But to relinquish that power and actually to acknowledge weakness is now all of a sudden me relinquishing certain things for the sake of actually being conformed to the image of Jesus. Yes. But that's exactly what Jesus did. Like, Jesus didn't come in and overthrow Caesar. No. Even though everyone wanted him to. <laughs> you know, Jesus didn't come in and, and you know, turn over uh, the entire community. He was subtle, and it was like, his way was, like you said, through suffering. And, yeah. and do I want to actually, and, and through caring for others, and through the service of, of people, 
And it's that whole first shall be last, last shall be first. Do I actually consider that and go, man, that's hard though. Yeah. Well, especially, I, th- I mean, again, I, I don't know. Whether you're, we talked about the first part, I'm fearful, I'm frustrated. Our first instinct is power. Right arguments, right statistics, right, right. I mean, at both sides of this issue, when I look online and I watch us try to muddle through our lostness in this, it seems everybody's going after positions of authority, power, that the way that we're gonna get this is by assuming this, this, this rightful place. And yet, the way that Paul seems to be modeling it is, and I think this is especially true, the way the Spirit guided Jesus, so you see this, I think, especially in the book of Luke, was not to positions of authority, but to positions of weakness. And I think, like, no doubt, you see this in the Gospels, no wonder Jesus prayed all the time. Like, he, he prayed and prayed and prayed to understand the will of the Father that he was learning and growing and developing, and that's hard for us to imagine as Jesus, right. but in all of this, you can just see the angst and the tension that he's in right. drawing him to pray, right? begging for the will of the Father. Right. And that's what the Spirit, it seems, was pressing him to do. So do you think it would be fair to say this, that, that to use this framework that you and Christian built out, some of this tension is the spirit-flesh distinction um, that you would have like the, the striving for power on one side and then the way of weakness is more of a spirit-empowered side of things? Yeah. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah, I, I think it, like, think about from this standpoint, when Jesus Christ is being ushered off to the cross, it says he uttered not a word. That's not a position of power, right? Every aspect of him being ushered off in, his, in the spirit-empowered reality had so much weakness to it. Now, but I would say this, what appeared to be weakness was immense strength that was going on at that particular time as he was empowered to walk that particular way on, on the, on the, towards the cross. And so in this, like, I, think, I think what Paul is really getting us to is in this deep place of uncertainty, not sure what we should do, the, the frictions that happen when nobody knows what mm-hmm. to do, right? The, the discombobulation yeah. between the Jews and the Gentiles, and maybe for us, it's the fear, it's the frustration. When everybody's trying to quote science and trying to quote government and trying to quote you know, different activists and self-sufficiency or even like the idea of maybe self-preservation or I want my rights, all those things are positions of power and Jesus calls us to be so different and so other to operate actually from a powerful, actually, I think, position of weakness, right. which demands the spirit of God to walk through this. So if you, if you tie it all together, it's, it's, let's see if we can go here. If going, if Jesus wants, and the will of God is for us to actually put Jesus to be conformed to the image of God, that is a really difficult task because the world is broken, but we're called to live differently. The Spirit empowers us to live differently, but it requires us to function from this place of weakness like you're talking yeah. about. And when we do that, what is the result? Can you, can you, can you tie in that idea of maybe peace and shalom yeah, to yeah. this whole discussion? Because I think that's the thing that the world is missing right oh, now, like, is the world is not hitting that. And I just want to try to close the loop on this one. <laughs> okay, so thank you for throwing me a softball. All right, that's so... A, that's not a softball, that's a T-ball, okay, man. I put on yeah, a T right but, here for okay, you. Okay, <laughs> so in the book of Philippians, right, like it's just a... Pa- I've been in the book of Philippians, and here's Paul in jail. He seems to be so weak. 
he seems to be so just beaten down and, and drubbed. And he gets to the very end, and there's two ladies that are Yodi and Sintiki, and they're fighting. And he's like, no. And he calls them, verse 4, to joy, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Mm. And then he says this statement. He says in there, let your gentleness, your reasonableness be evident to all, right? Well, why? Because the Lord is near. And don't be anxious about it in anything, right? But in everything through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And then he says this, present request to God. And the shalom, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, right? He goes there. He says, the one thing that's so powerful about prayer is I really do think it, it, it's this powerful way in which God's will and my will become aligned. Hmm. No doubt scripture guides it. Uh, and so I'm not trying to devoid scripture. Scripture is very important to this. But suddenly in the midst of prayer, we think we're changing God's mind. We're not changing God. God knows what he's doing. The triune God who oversees everything. Now, through the spirit of God communes with us. And he doesn't, we don't change his will. He changes ours. Right, right. And in that moment, suddenly when we enter into that place of having our will conformed and transformed to the will of God, we don't realize the powerful place we enter into there. Because now, as it seems like our government figures don't seem to be bringing peace and different factions in our kind of world right now aren't bringing peace. And this is what I said from the very beginning. I think God's church is aligned perfectly yeah. to be the one group that steps right. into this moment. And apart from all the political junk and everything that's going on out there, now I want us to engage in politics. That, that sounded bad. Yeah. But I think this is our moment to bring shalom Right. The but peace it, of God into this. But in order to do that, in order to bring shalom, in order to bring peace, you have to actually conform yourself to the image of God. You have to 100%. actually think differently. We can't be trying to make a name for ourselves and bring peace. Yes. Because that's what I've realized in my life. I'm going, it, it doesn't bring peace when I try to make everyone uh, like me. Yeah. I'm going, peace is actually the way of the cross. It's the way of Christ. And so if we want to bring shalom, we've got to strive to being conformed to who Jesus is because that was God's intention from the beginning. It's really hard to do that in a broken world. And so we need the power of the Holy Spirit, which means we need to be spending time in prayer. We need to be spending time in God's word and we need to be spending time God's people. with God's people. Exactly, because other spiritual people. But that's people. hard right now because we're so isolated. I know. Right? And this is where like, again, for those of you that feel the isolation like me, like to this week, I just tried to call a bunch of guys and just, you know, on some level, just sharpen them and encourage them and strengthen them because I, I'm feeling isolated. Ooh. And in the midst of all this, though, and this is what I mean by getting our bearings and our lostness, I'm actually, and let me just say this to Cornerstone, my hope this week, and I'm going to write a series of, of devotions each day and we're going to have questions involved in it. I'm going to ask all of us to kind of shut off our Facebook, shut off the news. I don't know if you watch Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or what news you might watch. Shut all these things off. And what if this week, instead of aligning our will to the Republicans or the Democrats or aligning our will to being fearful or frustrated, what if this week we sought the Lord with everything that we are and we just, like, to kind of go back to my opening illustration, what if we just had tea? Like, <laughs> I sounded very British. Coffee? Coffee, you know, but just slow down. And just in the midst of everything that's going on, instead of getting caught up in maybe activism or getting caught up in trying to defend your point of view or different things, what if this week God's people, through the power of the Holy Spirit, even when we don't know what to pray, when we're just groaning, we cry out to God instead of to our government? 
And so this week, that's what I wanna do. I'm gonna put a slide up for you that I want you to see. Here's some books. If you, if you even want some books to kind of help you to be able to pray. Uh, I've had some in my life. One of you see there is A Praying Life by Paul Miller. It was such an important book in my life personally. Tim Keller's book on prayer. Um, all the, prayer, the books that I put up there on prayer, I've personally read, and I think that they're great. But just for this week, that's what I'd love for us to do is to not be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present our request to God. In the midst of it, I believe wholeheartedly what you will find is I believe you will find peace. Not peace that this world provides, not peace that you can find by having the right statistics or the right people behind you, but a peace that only comes from God. And so that's what we're gonna do this week. We're gonna slow down and we're gonna have tea. And so what I'd love you to do with me for just a second is just to slow down and let me say these words to you. In the name of the Father who supersedes all things, our Father, the King of the universe, is in control of all things. He knows what's going on. He knows the intricacies of that tiny little virus and how it works and how the fat molecules work around it to protect it and whether it's airborne or not airborne, how long it lives. He knows everything. He knows where all this is going and he knows this too will pass. In the name of the son who taught us not to come and to yell and scream for our rights, but instead he came in with grace and truth, and humility, and lowered himself. I, I just have been blown away by how much he entered into old creation, not to scream and yell at it, but to show old creation how new creation is called to live. In the name of the Holy Spirit, ah, oh, thank you for the Holy Spirit, God, who empowers us to walk like Jesus. We can't walk like Jesus on our own. He said that in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, may you go this week, and as you seek the Lord, may you find peace, and as you find peace, may you be peacemakers into this world in which we live. God bless you all, and I love you.